What's up, peeps? This is your boy, Eddie. And you are listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for another wrestling podcast. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast another wrestling podcast now can you dig that sucker (laughs) welcome everybody to another wrestling podcast this is episode number 113 i'm jonathan benjamin and i'm steve credo Steve, it is uh, it is that time again. We are recording live today. We are recording it, live or live recording. Oh my god, I don't know what's happening right now. We have an amazing show. It's always we, amazing. It, it is always amazing. This is 113. I I just cannot believe how many episodes we've done. I've talked um, to you for 113 times. Believe it yes, or not. Yes, at least at least that many. If you have looked at the awesome poster that yours, not yours truly, but yours truly as the one that I'm talking to, Steve created. He truly. He truly. It shows all of our guests for the second year. Uh, It's it's pretty impressive when they're all lined up. And if you have not, if this is the very first time you're hearing our amazing voices through your radio, through your iPod, through your speakers, through your smartphone, your smartphone. Um, go back, head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com and check out all of our other episodes. But Steve, let them in on what's happening here today. That's right. Uh, starting a brand new year on Another Wrestling Podcast, we're going to be talking to former WWE superstar Eric Escobar. He's going to be joining us in a little bit. We have a lot to talk to him about. He's had some run-ins with Vicky Guerrero. He's going to be running in with us today, Jonathan, on AWP. Uh, so stick around for that one. Yeah, we're looking forward to talking to him. But, Steve, we also have a couple of things to talk about before we get to Eric. It's been a very busy week in in wrestling. Um, we've got a lot of buzz happening about a couple things. So let's get right into them. Did you say someone's got a buzz like Roman Reigns? Oh, huh? I see what you did there. I uh, see what you did there. Jonathan, if you if you would have asked me, this would have been, are we getting swerved? Uh, I would not. Would have not. Of anybody, if you lined them up at a five guys, ten guys, and you told me to pick who's going to be the next one suspended, I would have not thought that Roman Reigns would be that guy. Well, he is that guy now, right? The guy who got suspended, right? He is the guy who got suspended. Now, listen. Uh, there's a couple things going on here that I'm a little, I don't know. I think we're also skeptical these days. You know, you watch one of these YouTube videos and somebody's like jumping off the roof of a, a house and they like land perfectly and you're like, that's fake. Or, you know, you see these videos where the kids are getting the Cheerios stacked on their head and you're like, oh, they like must have glued those Cheerios together. The point that I'm making is that I'm very skeptical of this. 
with all the problems that they're having with Roman Reigns, I am like almost thinking that there's some sort of conspiracy where they just said that he got suspended for drugs. <laughs> That's what to I thought ma- too, man. <laughs> to, to make him seem cooler with with the the kids these days, like, oh well, Roman does drugs, so he's he's you know he's not. Well, look, as- look at Titus O'Neil; he was suspended, and now he's got a title shot at the pay per view when he came back. So it's exactly. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, are they just doing this to to really? I don't know. Do something with him? I don't know. And yeah, so I thought about that too because I've been looking up. Uh, they haven't really announced what he was suspended for. Uh, you know, it's just against their you know their wellness policy. So it has to be. Uh, it could be marijuana. It could be HGH. I don't know some kind of drugs. Uh, for for that kind of stuff. I don't know. There wasn't really specific. Roman did this. It's just he was suspended for the te- or wellness policy. If that will come to light in the next few weeks, months, who knows? But uh, we don't know exactly yet. So it's it's interesting, though, Jonathan. I mean, the new face of the WWE has been suspended. Jonathan, you know, he, the fans just weren't buying it. You know, they shoved them down our throats for the past two years from Slammy Award winner, Superstar of the Year, to the Royal Rumble winner, to, you know, getting his main event at WrestleMania. Everything you could possibly give this guy to get him over, the fans still didn't like it. Now he's suspended for a wellness violation. Jonathan, will the fans let him live this down? I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. I really think... And listen, if you go back and listen to some of these episodes leading up to this one, you will hear me saying that Roman Reigns is getting better. Uh, I think that he is is a viable contender, uh, yada, yada, yada. And now this happens. So I don't think that he's going to have the best of times once he gets back. Although we all know that you know Vince is looking for a workhorse like John Cena, somebody that's going to go the distance. Um, I do think that that can be Roman Reigns. And once he comes back, you know, he's going to come back right around the time of Battleground, which is in July. It's the next pay-per-view or network exclusive. Um, and it's going to be in D.C. I think it's July 24th or 25th. So so he's going to uh, even miss the draft, if you think about it. I mean, Grant, they'll yeah. probably draft him still, but... You know, he's not going to be, well, he shouldn't be at least on TV until that suspension is up. So maybe he'll get drafted to rehab. Man, that's it was definitely surprising. What will happen? I don't know. But, you know, he was on that high horse and he has fell far from it. So uh, I don't know, man. I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him when he comes back as far as the push goes. I mean, you know, being that top superstar, but now you're in the light for a negative thing in real life. Uh, I mean, granted, maybe it could be a mix-up like Adam Rose. You know, Adam Rose had a prescription, they suspended him, and it actually it ended up, you know, being for something false. But maybe it's something like that. But I don't, he, I don't think I, so. And I know he said he's he even tweeted it out that he's going to own up to it. But I really want to know what he's owning up to. So. Yeah. I think that'll that'll be really the icing on the cake to where how severe it was to where was it steroids was it just he smoked weed was it just you know what was the severity of what he did to get him suspended which is what I want to know so we'll see what happens but uh you know with the fall of one guy rises another and that other is uh, WWE champion Dean Ambrose uh, definitely did not think I'd be saying that anytime soon but it happened Jonathan he cashed in on the same night. Uh, and won the WWE Championship. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the new champion? I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 with him. 
I listen. I like it. I think that it's one of those things where he's one of the guys that you just kind of look over. Yeah, he's charismatic. He is good on the microphone, but he's the modern day Rowdy Piper. You know, he he does good, but he never was given a championship or never needed a championship before. But now, I think they're looking to build towards the future. And they want people to see him as a legitimate superstar, somebody that can be the champion. And he's probably doing, I would say, top five as far as merchandise goes because kids love him, some guys like him, women love him. So he's doing well there. I think that the only thing I was surprised about is where they pretty much said it several times on different shows that he was going to win the money in the bank and then cash in. And he's sure, and and true to life, that's exactly what he did. So. Um, I think I would have liked it to be a little more of a surprise, just yeah. because. But it was, it was. I guess it was a surprise. It was still shocking. Uh, I, I'm glad that it's him. Now all three members of the Shield have been champion. He was actually my pick out of all three of them. And you can ask anybody. I, you know, I made a bet with several people, including Brian Chairs, and he said that it was going to be Seth Rollins, and he was correct. But uh, now all three of them have become shield member champions. So and, I like it. And and the, and all three out of the same night, Jonathan, you know, it started off with Roman, Seth won it, and then Dean cashed in and won it himself. Uh here's a question though. I mean, you know, there's really there's really a fine line between heels and faces nowadays because uh Dean Ambrose ran in, knocked him out with the briefcase and then cashed in. That's kind of heelish, no? And he still got cheered for it. Uh, yet, you know, even uh, Seth Rollins did did a, did the face way to where he kind of cashed in on the guys as they were still kind of awake. Like, he didn't knock anybody out for it. Uh, but then he, what's even more funnier is that Roman's trying to be, you know, sympathize and congratulate him. And they're still booing him. So, meanwhile, Dean Ambrose is doing all the heel stuff to win. Gets cheered like a face. Then you have Roman Reigns, who's trying to be a face and congratulate his friend. Yet, he gets booed like a heel. And it's... I find it just, it's funny. It's like, the, it, there's no line anymore of heel and face, and it's just, if they love you, they love you. If they hate you, they hate you, right? Yeah, it's it's the WWE, man. Like, people are very fickle. They're finicky. Uh, we as fans, I, I don't know. I, I don't get this. Uh, this is probably a diatribe for another time, but I love professional wrestling. I love everything about professional wrestling, and I've said this before. Uh, the fans of professional wrestling are some of the most passionate fans of any sport, uh, any entertainment product, anything out there. They will literally eat, sleep, and breathe the, the, the profession of professional wrestling. However, they will also be the biggest and harshest critics of the product. And I don't know if that's coming from uh, like they wanted to make it better or that they just like to complain. I don't know. And you know, we we've all complained about things. So I'm not saying I'm in the <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that. But I am saying that, you know, if this was 5 years ago, everybody probably would love Roman Reigns. If this was 10 years ago, whatever. Like everybody started out liking John Cena cuz he was kind of cutting edge and rapping and all that stuff. And now everybody hates him and it's cool to hate him. So I don't know if this is like if Roman is just in a an era where the fans have changed more than professional wrestling because he's a big guy. He's athletic. 
you know, like Seth, for all intents and purposes, Seth and Dean don't really fit the mold of a classic professional wrestler. You know, they're not huge guys, uh, you know, but we all see, you know, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart kind of changed the mold when it came to that sort of thing anyway. But I don't know. I think that I was hoping there was going to be a build towards a triple threat at SummerSlam. Uh, the Shield versus the Shield versus the Shield, and um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, yeah, definitely. I mean, do you think the WWE can learn from this to where? I mean, the reaction Dean got when he won it was, that, you know, obviously the bit one of the biggest pops because they loved, they wanted him to win. You know what I mean? It was like they knew he deserved it for all the the crap he's been through for the past few years, just the the shit matches and you know the, the everything he's done. You know, it, it it's granted this championship uh, reign, but like when they just gave it to Roman Reigns, like there were some people cheering, but it was just like, eh, the fans didn't want it. Should they be listening to the fans more? I think I I feel like the WWE has the easiest job. You just listen to the crowd. They either love you or they hate you, and if they hate you. Make him make him a bad guy. If they love you, make him a good guy. Like, why try to go against the grain so much just because, you know, I don't know. Like, because you really think this is your person that's going to, you know, pull your wagon for the next few years. And it, it's just like, listen to the fans, man. I don't know. And when you listen to the fans, you know, you get this great organic response. And that's what I think is missing lately. They got to stop shoving people down our throats that we just don't want to be champion. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's like I'm saying, the WWE has survived so long with doing what they do with adding a little bit of like, hey, the fans seem to like these people, like Kevin Owens, like Sami Zayn, so we'll bring them in, but we're gonna kind of create them in our image a little bit too because we don't want everything to be for the fans because sometimes, and I, I'm saying this and I truly believe it, sometimes we don't know what we want until we get it. So it's hard as fans to say that we're always right all the time because, you know, you get somebody like Adam Rose who's down in NXT. He starts out as Leo Kruger. Nobody really gets it. Uh, You know, the small NXT crowd liked it. Then they turned to Adam Rose. Everybody absolutely loved it down there. It was party time all the time. Don't be a lemon, be a rosebud. He gets to WWE, and then everybody's like, man, this isn't good. So, um that that minority down at NXT may have loved him, but then when they brought him up, uh, the fans chose not to to get behind him, no matter if he was good or whatever. So I, I think it's it's a very strange thing, and I think in this this is what makes professional wrestling so awesome. If you watch football, baseball, basketball, I don't care how many people love a certain baseball player, if they're not good at what they do, if they're not good at like hitting, catching, pitching then the general manager of the team's not going to be like, all right, we're going to put this guy in today because the fans really like him. But if the fans go crazy over somebody in professional wrestling, they will give them a chance. So it's uh, I, that's what I'm saying. I love professional wrestling just the way that things work. And uh, I, I think that Roman, this he could come off of this thing better than he was if they play it right. That's all I'm going to say. 
he just needs to come in as a heel. Stop trying to be what you're, you're not and stop trying to be, you know, what the fans don't want you to be. And I don't know. I really just, I hope he comes back full blown heel and, uh, that would probably be the only way to bring him back. But, uh, regardless, Jonathan, um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff happening. Uh, we want everybody to head on over to another wrestling podcast.com. Uh, you could Facebook us, tweet us. All the links are up there. Uh, let us know what you thought about, uh, the, some of the current news we talked about. Uh, and anything else you want to tell us. Today's show is brought to you by Have you ever dreamed of being a professional wrestler? Then the Platinum Fitness Professional Wrestling School is the school you want. Located in Danbury, Connecticut, and led by Randy Sean Lockwood, a pro wrestler with over 15 years experience. Randy brings his passion for wrestling, as well as his vast knowledge to the school, with many guest trainers to enhance your knowledge, skill, and performance. If you're looking to make your dreams a reality inside the squared circle, then the Platinum Fitness Professional Wrestling School is your best choice. Call 203-628-7757 or visit PlatinumFitnessCT.com for more information. This is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast in association with Celeb VM. Order a personal video message from me and many other wrestlers and celebrities now. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. That's right. Head on over to CelebVM.com slash AWP. Get a personal video message for yourself or as a gift for someone else. For personal connections, shout-outs, birthdays, proposals, weddings, and much more. Enter your details about yourself so the celebrity can record a personal video message especially for you, including details such as your name, age, birthday, hobbies, or whatever else you include. As soon as the video has been recorded, you'll get an email with your link so you can share it on social media or download and keep it. Celebrities record videos as and when they can, usually within two weeks. But if you want a video for a specific date and it does not look like it will arrive in time, you can cancel it and get an instant refund at the click of a button. There are hundreds of celebrities to choose from and many more joining every day. Search by category or genre. Buy a gift voucher, get updates and offers, and encourage your favorite celebrities to join so they can connect with fans in a fun and unique way. Raise money for their charities and much more. So order your video now for yourself or for someone else. Celebrity Video Messages and Another Wrestling Podcast team up. Be sure to head on over to celebvm.com slash AWP. Now, Jonathan, you know, we've talked and talked about many of topics on this show. Uh, there's 113 episodes. You can check out 113 times that we talked about something different uh, in the world of professional wrestling. And today is no different, Jonathan. I need to talk about tournaments. Tournaments in professional wrestling. Uh, one of my favorite tournaments ever is the King of the Ring. Uh, they do it. Kind of, uh, but I still wish it was a pay-per-view. Um, I, I love the King of the Ring tournament. Basically, you have, you know, you have qualifying matches to get into the tournament, and then you have the tournament uh, to to be the King of the Ring. It all comes down to who is the King of the Ring. Uh, great tournament, Jonathan. I miss it in the WWE as a pay-per-view, but there's so many other tournaments not going on right now uh, in the world of wrestling, from WWE to uh, across the across the country uh at pwg in california uh there's a lot of just everything and anything jonathan i need to be schooled on tournaments uh help me out here because i'm stuck in the past man all i know is the king of the ring uh what other tournaments could there be in the land of wrestling 
Well, first off, I'm going to ask you, and I already know this question, or the answer to this question, so it's going to be useless, but uh, you like the King of the Ring. Obviously, it's the way to kind of highlight a wrestler without giving them a championship. Um, you know, they in the WWE, it was a time where there wasn't a lot of belts. There was the World Heavyweight Champion, there was the Intercontinental Champion, there were the Tag Team Champions, and that's probably about it whenever it first started. So... Do you remember maybe one King of the Ring that you really enjoyed? Um, and and what about the tournament? What what do you like about the tournament style in professional wrestling? Uh, you know, going back to the classic one that you know the one that Steve Austin won, uh, where Stone Cold uh, was the the three sixteen Stone Cold Steve Austin was born. Um, you know, what I love about the, the King of the Ring tournament is just you know. Seeing who would be the number one guy, pretty much. I mean, the King of the Ring should be the number one wrestler in the company uh, to where it's almost like you're the world heavyweight champion, but you pretty much have that title as the King of the Ring. Um, I, you know, I, I always loved just hearing what the, the winners would say as the new king, uh, as silly as that is. You know, after they won, they would get the crown and all, all that other stuff. But I think Steve Austin, you know, I was waiting for another speech. He came up there, you know, did his little, well, his 360 birth, if you will. I don't know how you want to put that, but, uh, you know, it it blew my mind at what he was saying. And uh, it was one of those things that just really brought you back into wrestling a little bit, you know. Um, I just, I don't know. I think I just love the coronation of who, who the champion was at the end of this tournament because, you know, at the end of it, there had to be one winner. Um, so I don't know. It was just fun watching it to see who would really be, you know, it's like I said, it's almost winning a championship, but you're not really winning a championship. Yeah. And this is not a new concept, you know, King of the Ring and they've done a lot of things before WrestleMania four, they had a tournament to decide who's going to be the, the champion. Uh, we all remember Macho Man winning that. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people probably remember um, Hogan and Andre being a part of it and Ted DiBiase getting involved. But, um, you know, there's a lot of tournaments that have decided big things in professional wrestling that didn't decide, you know, like uh, like gold. And that's something we talked about. This new Cruiserweight Classic, you were a big proponent of saying that you want there to when they want the you want them to win the cruiserweight championship you don't want there to be like a trophy or anything like that yeah i really want there to be an end game i mean granted the king of the ring was great but at the end you didn't really uh get a king of the ring championship even though i heard there was one time where they were going to make a belt for it. but needless to say uh i think at the end of it i mean you have because you have the royal you have the andre the giant memorial battle royal where you get like the andre the giant trophy uh, I don't really want to see a trophy because you know it's not easy to carry out all the time or bring it everywhere you go. I really feel the winner of this tournament. This needs to be the rebirth of the cruiserweight championship, um, and you know, and then if they put it on again next year, you know, the winner of the new tournament would be able to face uh, the champion in a future title match or something like that. But I don't know. I, I really feel that. At the end of the day, there needs to be a champion. There needs to be a belt. And they, I think that what better way to, to rebirth the, the Cruiserweight Championship than through this uh, this classic tournament they have. So I don't know. I, I really want to see a belt at the end of it. Well, I think that we have to think about this uh, real quick, just this tournament. And I think this is brilliant by WWE to have this Cruiserweight Classic. You're going to see these people a lot. I mean, some of the wrestlers are 
world renowned. I mean, obviously Johnny Gargano and Tomasa Ciampa, you've seen them on NXT for weeks and weeks and weeks now. But if you're just a casual wrestling fan, some of these people may be new to you. Uh, a lot of them may be new to you. We are very fortunate on the East Coast to have lots of wrestling. People like Cedric Alexander, people like Drew Gulak, Gulak uh, Rich Schwann, uh, Tony Nese, like all these guys are people that we've seen. And I think it's really cool of them to go around to seek out these people because, once again, this is what people want. These are who people want to see. Uh, so I think it's great. I think that this is going to be an amazing tournament. Uh, they're starting to show matches on the network, uh, and, and you've got some old classics. You know, Jerry and the Brian Kendrick are going to be on there. Uh, but it was announced recently that our two announcers are going to be Daniel Bryan, which is awesome to have him back, and Mauro Ronaldo, which is amazing. I can't wait to see everything about this Cruiserweight Classic. But um, I wanted to talk to you, Steve, about some other tournaments that may be a little under the radar. And as I mentioned, we are on the East Coast, and one of my favorites of all time is the ECWA Super 8 Tournament. And this is just kind of, once again, a way for a promotion to get their name out there, to bring in awesome wrestlers. And this year... 2016, the ECWA has already crowned their Super 8 champion with uh, Napalm Bomb. And you may not know him, and that's all right. Maybe you'll be hearing from him shortly because uh, they have kind of a penchant of bringing in people that end up being megastars in 2014. M-Dog Matt Cross won. Uh, somebody in 2011 that you may have heard of, Tomasa Ciampa, uh, 2010, Xavier Woods. Yes, that Xavier Woods. In 2007, Jerry Lynn won it. Davey Richards in 2006. In 2001, Loki won it. Uh, a lot of great winners of so, this past tournament. So is this just, uh, this kind of a tournament, is the same kind of concept like of a King of the Ring kind of a thing? Like it's just, <clears throat> is it just the anybody and everybody kind of a tournament? Or uh, is it like a certain weight class or a certain kind of style or something it's, like that? It's not really a weight class or style. It's just they kind of invite people uh, to be a part of it. They announce it. It's a big buildup on their website, which is awesome. Um, I know that in the past there have been, you know, I named some of the winners, but people like Loki, Chris Hero, like a lot of these guys have been brought in for this this amazing tournament. And it's just another great way to get people who deserve to have their name out there, out there. Because, I mean, if you look back at some of these winners, in 2003, Paul London won it. Um, and then he went on to go to WWE. This could have been the thing that really made him and made WWE like look, take a look at him. So these kind of independent tournaments definitely catch people's eye. And it goes further than just what you think, you know, the the winner is going to be. Well, what does the winner get? They, well, they get a trophy, which I know that you're not like you, John. <laughs> but well, but yeah, I mean, it's not it's not WWE, so and technically, it's not like hey, you just get this championship. So I can understand uh, I, I can understand seeing uh, a trophy for this kind of tournament. So that's okay. Um, okay. But what else? I mean, there's other tournaments out there. I know I've heard one. Uh, maybe you could tell me a little bit about uh, PWG, the Battle of Los Angeles. Uh, what happens at this kind of a tournament? 
Well, it's uh, it's actually called. I mean, it's the Battle of Los Angeles. It's uh, a lot of people call it Bola, uh, and it is happens from Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. It's a company out in um, Los Angeles, obviously, and there's been a ton of famous wrestlers who have won it. Um, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, um, Brian Danielson, to name a few. So uh, it started around 2000. And five, um, it started out with just, I think it was 12 wrestlers. There were eight opening round matches, four quarterfinal matches, two semifinal matches, and, and then the final. And then in 2006, they expanded it to 24 participants. Um, then in 2008, it returned to a 16-man format again. Uh, so it's just, it's crazy how it's worked, but some of these names that you've definitely heard of, uh, Davey Richards, Low Key, Kenny Omega, Joey Ryan, El Generico, Adam Cole, Ricochet, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, these are all people who've won it. But peop- Yeah, go ahead. No, and I understand. So this also, from what I heard, and I could be wrong, but uh, it's not just one day though, right? It's a few-day tournament? Yes, absolutely. They hold it um, usually around three days, and uh, it's it's awesome because if you think about it, going to an independent show like once – is awesome but if you have something to look forward to like three days in a row and these matches just continue to go on it gives you something to look forward to so i would love to have these kind of tournaments at local independent wrestling shows in in our area and we may get into one here in a little bit that there there is one that that's like that but yeah absolutely and this has become a pretty cool thing as we know You know, Cody Rhodes, after leaving WWE, sort of made a list, and this was one of his bucket list things. And believe it or not, he is the first participant announced for the 2016 BOLA um, is Cody Rhodes. So we'll get to see him at the Battle of Los Angeles this year. All right, all right. But now, what does the winner get? Well, I think the winner gets bragging rights, and that's pretty pretty much it. You know, it's... uh, It's nothing. It's nothing crazy, but you know you're known. Like I said, I named the people who won it, and most of them are who's who of professional wrestling. So it's another thing to add to the resume, which is a you know is an awesome thing. There's only been you know a handful of winners, so you can say that you are one of those winners. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm getting all these tournaments in. I'm, I'm kind of learning a little bit about them. Uh, there's got to be more tournaments out there, Jonathan. Is there anything else that stands out that you could probably tell me about? Well, for me, there is a promotion that I really like, and it's Chikara. Uh, they have what's called the King of Trios. Uh, it's three. It's a tournament, but it's three team people in the tournament. So it's teams of three is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> three team people. I love it. Yeah. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> so it's actually it's a three-night event once again. Ooh. This year it starts uh, September 2nd in Easton, PA. And, uh, you know, in the past they've had, like, old school teams going against new school teams. So I know the Spirit Squad teamed up one year. Three of the Spirit Squad teamed up to take on some ECW originals. This year there's only three teams that have met, have been announced so far, but Team Original Divas Revolution. So we've got Victoria, Mickey James, and Jazz, and I'm assuming they're going to go against Team Shimmer, which is Madison Eagles, Candice LeRae, and Crazy Mary Dobson. So this is cool because it puts – teams together that you may not have seen before and uh i i just like this concept it's three people on a team uh and 
you know, it's something that we don't get to see a lot of. We don't see a lot of three teams. It's like the New Day, S.H.I.E.L.D., um, the Wyatt family. Like, if all those people battled, this is kind of what you would get with the, the King of Trios tournament. All right. Well, Jonathan, you personally, uh, what do you love about these kind of t- tournaments? Or is there any special one out there that you just love always to watch, watching or hearing about? Or I don't know. What, anything out there that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, the thing about these tournaments is cool is the fact that, once again, uh, people get recognition even if they don't get a belt or if they don't get something. It's it's a way to recognize the best in a group. So with the Cruiserweight Classic, it's the best under a certain weight. You know what I mean? So that's, that's cool. And, uh, I mean, I liked the King of the Ring in the WWE. I know they've tried to bring it back a few times, and it just doesn't have the same... Uh, glitz and glamours it used to. So I'd like that to be brought back to kind of its original glow. But like I said, I'm a big fan of the King of Trios. I'm hoping to get there once. I've never been to it. I would love to be a part of the King of Trios. I would also like to go down. One year, I will tell you, uh, this was prior to Austin Aries going to the WWE. um, And prior to him, I think, leaving TNA, he was in the ECWA Super 8 tournament, and I almost drove several hours to get there just to see Austin Aries. Uh, and, you know, I've met him several times since then, but uh, I've, I'm a big fan of the ECWA Super 8 tournament as well. Awesome. Uh, Jonathan, uh, you told me a lot about tournaments. Um, if you could maybe make your own tournament uh, for anywhere from WWE all the way down to the bottom and TNA, uh, what kind of tournament would you make? I will tell you right now um, that my thing would be to kind of follow in the footsteps of this CWC tournament and have a, an open, a women's open, where WWE goes around, does the same thing, and finds awesome women's wrestlers from around the world. Uh, they could be from Mexico, Japan, you know, the United States, and really find some of the greatest independent women's wrestlers because – Unfortunately for every, I don't know the, the statistic, but I would say every 10 guys that's wrestling, there's maybe one female. So to be able to highlight some of these people that you've never heard of would be awesome to me. And then, you know, you can start peppering them into the WWE through NXT and the main roster. They don't all have to go down to NXT. So I would really like to see something like that, a women's tournament. And then who knows, maybe someday... Uh, once the well has gone dry in the WWE for tag team tournaments, maybe they could do the same thing. But I like this because it makes it exciting. If you're an independent wrestling show all over the world, WWE may come in with their cameras and be like, guess what, everybody? You're not getting swerved, but we are filming a, a thing for one of these upcoming shows. So I think that's awesome. It's a, it's like you're going to a show, but then something awesome happens. So I, I really like the the blueprint they have for the cwc and i hope that that continues on with like i said women's wrestling and possibly someday tag team wrestling all right well as promised today we have none other than eric escobar joining us can't wait to talk to him talk to him about what he's up to now the past a little bit and just find out what's going on with them so without further ado ladies and gentlemen eric escobar escobar Jonathan, 
joining us tonight on another wrestling podcast is an amazing talent. Uh, he's been wrestling for over a decade and has become a champion nearly every place he's ever worked. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Eric Escobar Perez. Uh, now, thank you so much for joining us, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, man. Um, you know, doing my thing little by little as usual, man. Uh, new projects, new things. You know, life threw me a couple of curveballs curve balls now and uh, here and then, and, uh, you know, a couple of blessings in the sky, so to speak, and, uh, you know, still still alive, doing my thing. Well, that's, that's great to hear. Um, you know, here in the United States, you know, I know that there's a lot of wrestling on right now. There's, uh, you know, TNA, there's WWE, there's Lucha Underground, um, and there's a lot of ways for people to watch professional wrestling. Um, are you still currently competing today? On and off. Um, I came back to Puerto Rico a few months after I got released from WWE because, you know, my wife was... Uh, she wanted to come back, and uh, you know I couldn't say no to her at the time because she went through so much with me going to WWE, first Deep South, then FCW, and then you know eventually the main roster until um, you know I got released, and uh, I couldn't say no to her at the time. So I we decided to come back, and um, I worked for Carlos for a little bit for WLUC um, as usual, and a lot of people would know about this, you know. Uh, uh, money in Puerto Rico is, is tight, especially in wrestling, and uh, they they kind of tend to forget to pay the talent. So, and I'm not I'm not above anyone else, but at the same time, if I'm going to work, I won't expect to get paid. So, you know, you miss one week, I get it. You miss two weeks, then that's a warning. You miss, you know, three weeks, or just give me an excuse for the third one, then I'm out. Um, after that, there was a couple of projects that I work with, uh, and then uh, the one project that I'm working for right now is called WWL, World Wrestling League. Um, we did a, a couple of shows here in Puerto Rico and a couple of shows in Mexico, and everything was good, but um, I, I don't know. The guy just decided to close shop, and then he reopened shop, and then he closed shop again. <laughs> And then he's uh, planning to reopen uh, the company again. Uh, April 30th is going to be the first show. Hopefully, um, things will go better this time around. Um, he claims that he wanted to trim out, you know, some of the uh, some of the vultures, so to speak. And uh, now he's got a, a good team behind him, and, and he, he's a he's a great guy. He's a he's a longtime wrestling fan. His name is Richard. He owns a couple of businesses here in Puerto Rico, and. Uh, Hopefully things will work out better. He's got a lot of plans. He's got a a, a lot of uh, ideas he wants to put to work, and he wants to do shows in the states, and he wants to do shows in Mexico again, and and obviously Puerto Rico, and that's like the one project wrestling wise that I'm working with. Um, you know, other things that I had on the side were acting, a couple of uh, commercials, TV series, and movies. Here, you know, Hollywood is coming to Puerto Rico a whole lot, and each. Uh, I'm, I've been, you know, kind of lucky, I guess, that uh, without having an agency backing me up or getting me all these projects, um, I've been getting uh, tons of work every time they come down here. I mean, you know, it's only a few days, 
out of the week that uh, or uh, the entire shooting that they're doing, but still, you know, get a decent payday out of that and get some more experience under my belt under doing some other things, you know, non-wrestling related. Now, when you speak about things non-wrestling related and, and acting, is that something that you've always wanted to do or just kind of you fell into it now? Um, to be honest, I've always been intrigued. Like, my main reason why I got into wrestling was because I was always... I was always into acting and, and, and physicality, you know, physical stuff. I was always playing sports. I only played organized baseball, but I always played a touch football with the guys and, uh, uh, what you call it, basketball and, uh, in school and all that. So I was always into sports and acting. I always felt like that I could, I mean, how, how to explain it? It's it's one of those things that, you know, just like wrestling, you get to play a character and, and you get to have a wrestling match and all that. It's just, you know, same thing with acting. You get to play different characters, you know, get some direction from a director and, and just jump into it and, and, you know, be a different person every time you go out there, you know. And I've always been intrigued by it. I always loved it. So it's something that I was basically looking forward to after my WWE career. Um, I mean, my, granted, my, my career did not take off as I expected it, but, you know, it is what it is. Make lemons out of lemonade. Um, so, you know, I just try to, like, stay uh, active as much as I can with wrestling, but each time that Hollywood comes around, I try to get involved in that as well. I'm also looking for projects in the U.S. and all that, I'm trying to, like you know, get some more experience and try to get involved, uh, try to get in touch with some agents in L.A. and all that so I can, like, move around and get some more work done. Uh, well, well, you you know, you spoke about actors and acting. Uh, who who are some of your favorite actors, maybe, that you have out there? Wow, favorite actors? Uh, I mean, there's so many, to be honest. There's always, like... I could say, oh, this guy's a great actor and all that, but sometimes it's more like the characters that they play. Because mm-hmm. everybody, if you mention um, Robert De Niro, everyone's going to go to the, uh, I think it was a Taxi Driver yep. movie. Yep. And, you know, the, the famous scene, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? You know, or, or you go to a guy like uh, Kevin Costner, or you go to Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you go to movies like that. It's, it's more like about the characters. But if I would say that, you know, there's a bunch of characters out there, a bunch of actors out there that I really, really enjoy. Like uh, Christopher Walken, for one of them, he's like so different the way he acts and the way he talks. Um, uh, what you call this guy? Tony Stark, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yep. You know, he, there's a guy that can do it all. You know, he can do serious, he can do thespian, he can do um, um, Shakespearean, he can do funny, he can do action. You know, uh, the guy that played uh, the bad guy from Thor, I forget his name all the time, he played Loki. Oh, uh, Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, yeah, Tom Hiddleston, yeah. Great actor. Oh my God, phenomenal actor. And and the way he jumped into the Loki role, is like, oh my God, this guy's, this guy's like scary good. Yeah. Um, I recently watched uh, Batman vs. Superman, which was criticized by everyone, and I'm like, well, what the hell is wrong with you guys? This movie was awesome. Um, and I saw, to me, the guy that stole the show. I mean, the whole movie, as, the entire movie was 
phenomenal. I mean, Wonder Woman came out as a badass, and she's kicking ass, and Ben Affleck, oh my God, he was he looked amazing. He, like, body-wise, he, he gained so much muscle, and he looked great as Batman. Um, you know, Superman, still Superman, but the one guy that stole the show for me was uh, the, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. He played uh, Lex Luthor. Yep. He was like scary good. I'm like, oh, holy crap, this guy, oh my God. I mean, he really stole the show for me. So for me to say that, oh, this guy's my favorite actor, no. It's more like, oh, this guy can do this great, and this guy will be great for that character and all that. So favorite actors, I will say all of them. All of them. Awesome. Now, uh, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned that you're, you know, you're still wrestling here and there, and you you like acting and trying to get into that. Um, have you been approached, or have you approached uh, working with Lucha Underground, which kind of I feel is uh, pretty much the best of both of those worlds? Yeah. Um, when they were in the. Uh, um early stages of development of the whole project, I did get in touch with Conan about it. Um, at the time, um, the guy that I was working for here, we did Triple Mania. That's like the WrestleMania in AAA in Mexico. Uh, I think it was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we did that, and you know, I got in touch with some of those guys, and yada, yada, yada. When they were in the early stages of uh, Lucha Underground, I got in touch with Conan. I talked to him, and he's like, "Look, you know, I'm gonna tell you straight out." I'm like, "Yeah, just you know, give it to me straight." I'm a, I'm an old man. I, I mean, I know I've been around, and I know. Just don't lie to me. Just tell me straight. He's like, "Okay, I'll give it to you straight." Uh, there's no money in this project. I'm like, "What do you mean there's no money?" Well, you know, and and I know there's probably money for for the boys and all that. Maybe he's just trying to, like, not work me, but try to, like, yeah, kind of, like, work me into, like, lowering my wages and all that. And I get it. It's a project. It's still, you know, in development, yada, yada, yada. But still, you know. And he told me all these things. And, and for a while, I thought that something was going to happen. I did get in touch with Chris Joseph, who was one of the writers in WLE. He went... Uh, after he, he left WLE, he went and was working for Lucha Underground. I don't know if he's still there. And we talked about, you know, me joining and, and having a click and and a few guys, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, let's do this, you know. I was able, to, I got uh, some sort of a hookup, so to speak, so I can fly to the States myself. And, you know, no charge. I, I, get, I don't have to pay for anything. And uh, I told him, listen, I'm going to do this. You know, I mean, I don't expect to get paid a million dollars, but, you know, if you guys take care of me money-wise, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down. And uh, But nothing came around. Uh, nothing came about it. Uh, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to get in touch with them again now that I'm kind of like restarting again in wrestling. Absolutely. And, and see what happens. Well, uh, let's talk about kind of the early, early stages. Um, did you actually grow up a wrestling fan or was that something that happened later on in life? <coughs> on and off. Um, I wasn't much like my dad never took me around, uh, the island to do anything. My dad worked for, for an airline for his entire life, so to speak. 
So for us to go on vacation was to go to Disneyland or Disney World. I go here and go there and go somewhere in the States. My dad is not um, the kind of guy, oh, this camping or something. No, he's not like that. Oh, let's go out. Okay, we're going to go to Disney World. We're going to spend a week in Orlando. So um, basically, he never took me to anything that happened in Puerto Rico. So it was not like I was a huge wrestling fan uh, growing up because my dad took me to shows or anything. I got invested, so to speak, with uh, Glow, Glamour's Ladies of Wrestling. Back when I was a kid, we were, I would watch it in like the translation in Spanish, which was awful, by the way. <laughs> um, oh, no, it was, it was brutal, but it was awful at the same time. I mean, I didn't know any better, so to me it was the most amazing thing ever. And, and I, I was like, wow, I was like mesmerized by these girls. I'm like, wow, this is wrestling thing. It's pretty cool. Then, you know, I grew up and started watching uh, a little bit of WWF at the time. Um, you know, Shawn Michaels, very hard, all those guys. When they were starting, so to speak, when they were in, uh, Shawn Michaels was with uh, Gennady as the Rockers. Um, when uh, Triple H did the uh, Hunter Hearst-Hemsley gimmick, uh, when... Uh, Henry Godwin was there, all those guys. I remember watching all those guys. And it was like an on and off type of thing. It wasn't like I was completely hooked on it. Um, fast forward, fast forward a couple of years. Um, I would say when, uh, I think Razor Ramon was there and uh, when Sean had the feud with Razor for the IC title, stuff like that, that's when I started getting into it again. And, you know, Shawn Michaels started becoming one of my favorites. Oh, Shawn Michaels, this guy's pretty good, you know. Uh, then I remember when The Undertaker came out and, and all that. And I, it was still, I was not completely hooked. I would watch it. I would watch almost every show and every pay-per-view, but I wasn't completely hooked. When I really got hooked was in the Attitude Era. That's when everything just clicked for me. I'm like, I want to be like these guys. Stone Cold was on top with The Rock and Triple H and Mick Foley and Taker and all those guys. And, and DX was there and all. I'm saying, wow, this is fucking awesome. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. Um, the fact that Austin will come out and beat his boss on national TV and not get fired, I'm like, this guy is a, is a, is a freaking god. <laughs> You know, he's living the American dream, the actual American dream, that people want to go to work and beat the crap out of the bosses and not get fired. This is awesome. You know, the the Rock would raise an eyebrow and the entire crowd would go crazy. I think following with a sock puppet, you know, just, you know, making the crowd go insane. That's, that's when it really clicked for me. That's when I really, really became a fan. I mean, I, I studied, like, uh, uh, wrestling history, so to speak, um, because I wanted to learn more about the past and, and where this guy came from and where that guy came from, yada, yada, yada. But it wasn't until that time that I really got hooked into the whole wrestling thing, until the Attitude Era. Um, you know, when you got hit, hooked in it, you know, did anybody, like, did you go to your parents and say, listen, this is what I want to do? Did anybody try to talk you <laughs> out of it? How did How did that work? <laughs> no, man, it, it, it was something funny because uh, 
around uh, around that same time. It was back in uh, I went to college in Florida, Florida Atlantic University for a semester. Um, I was supposed to play baseball there, but the people that promised me the scholarship and we never signed anything. They they got fired or they left or something like that. So when I came in to the school, they were already gone. I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. So I really got. I, that's when I started watching like all the shows. It was back in '99, I think. Yeah, back in '99. Um, that's when I really started. Like, you know, I didn't have anything to do. Just you know, I didn't have a car. I didn't have any didn't have any money to go out every way every day. So. Basically, I just watched wrestling and it worked out. I went to the gym and worked out and I went to school and, and watched my wrestling. Um, when I moved back to Puerto Rico uh, to continue going to school here in Puerto Rico, um, I started going to shows with uh, to the local wrestling shows with a friend of mine, IWA. Savio Vega was there with uh, Miguel Perez and, and Victor Quinones, God rest his soul was the uh, president of the company. So I always had a thing for like cowboy gimmicks. Um, I do remember watching cowboy Scott Hall doing the cowboy gimmick here in Puerto Rico. I do remember that. And Stan Hansen, I used to remember Stan Hansen. So I always liked like cowboy gimmicks. So I bought myself a cowboy hat and I went to the wrestling shows wearing my cowboy hat. Yeah, I was lifting weights and I thought I was like huge, <laughs> which I was not, I was still like me. Eh, puny uh, and skinny, skinny fat, so to speak. Um, I started going to the shows, and, and one day, one guy, um, they see me, and they pull me aside, hey, me and my best friend, they pulled us aside, they started talking to us, and they listen, the president of the company would like to know um, if you guys are interested in becoming wrestlers. I'm like, dude, we'll be looking for a wrestling school to you know, see how much it is to start learning and all that. So yeah, don't worry about that. We'll take care of that. But you guys want to do it? Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, they came to us like 20 minutes later, and they pulled me aside. They said, listen, uh, we made a mistake. It wasn't with your friend. It was just with you. I really felt bad about my best friend. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I jumped to the opportunity right away. Um, like a few minutes after that, I go to the concession stand, and uh, this guy starts talking to me. And I don't know who this guy is. Um, he's like, oh, you see that guy over there? I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's Canadian. Oh, okay, cool, no problem. Um, do you know who I am? I'm like, no. I'm Victor Quinones. I'm the person out of the company. I'm like, oh, well, nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> and then after that, he sent me to train with the guys. And that's how everything started little by little. Uh, I got like a few weeks of training, and then the guys disappeared. I heard they got into some, you know, uh, legal trouble. And they had to, like, disappear for a bit. I'm like, well, this is messed up. And after a while, they just told me, you start coming to the shows earlier um, when after they set up the ring, and, and we'll get someone there with you too, so you can train. And uh, they did. Miguel Perez started getting in the ring with us and, and training us little by little, and, and that's how everything started. Slow process of, of learning how to... Uh, you know, start to work. Um, after or prior to that, did you have something else kind of lined up that you wanted to do? Or, you know, if wrestling didn't work out, or once you kind of got it in your mind that you wanted to wrestle, that was all that was on your mind. No, that was all that was on my mind. After 
um, I threw out my my shoulder playing baseball. So basically, I can't I can't throw a ball more than three or four times before my shoulder starts bothering me again. So uh, baseball was out the window. So I'm like, eh, I'm just going to try this wrestling thing because I really really enjoy it. And uh, that was it. That's all I wanted to do. I got a bunch of waitressing jobs, and and I was still going to college, and and did everything I had to do to you know to be able to afford. Uh, I lived with my parents, so I didn't have to like you know pay rent or anything like that. But I always chipped in at the house. Mm-hmm. So you know whatever jobs I could get, I would I would you know pitch in the house, and and the whole wrestling thing. Like my parents, they didn't know about it. At that time, my dad was, um, he asked for a transfer. There was another position available in Atlanta. So he went to Atlanta for a bit, and my mom went with him. So I had the house to myself. Um, One day, we were doing, without me knowing how to actually wrestle, one of the guys that kind of, you know, helped me started, you know, getting trained, he, uh, he had a wrestling show, so he tells the uh, allegedly he tells me that he told the promoter that uh, he was going to use me for a show and not. Well, something went wrong, and you know me being green, I didn't know. I got pushed into a trash can, and I hit my forehead with the edge of the trash can and split my forehead right open. I was bleeding, and they, oh, this is going to look great on TV. I'm like. Okay, well, whatever. So they they filmed it and all that. I go home, I put a Band-Aid on and try to cover it up. Uh, I tell my mom, like, the lamest excuse. I was working as a waiter in the restaurant, in this one restaurant, and uh, there was actually a rail, a handrail of the stairs that was loose, and it had, like like, a sharp edge. So I told my mom, oh, I slipped and, and split my forehead open with the with the edge of the uh, handrail. She did not buy it, but she went with it just because. And as soon as she goes to Atlanta to see my dad, the first thing that she says, I think Eric got into wrestling. <laughs> and that, they didn't tell me about it. They didn't say anything. They just let me be. And... Uh, that was it. After a while, it was like, yeah, they kind of got into it. Until I, I started really getting beat up and getting, you know, getting color in the shows and all that crap, that's when they really got upset. It's like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You got to get that. But to me, it was all part of the learning process. So I, I let it, you know, I let it happen. Now, you know, 15 years later, 16 years later, now I know better. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not doing that. Now, you, uh, at this time, like you said, you're kind of new to the business. You're breaking in. Um, Were there any times while this was going on that you said that, like, I think I'm in over my head, I should probably quit? Or did you just really, you know, dive in headfirst and enjoy all the aspects of training? Uh, There were times where I doubted. There were times where I went in, like, this is a little bit too much. This is getting out of hand. Because I noticed that there were some guys that they didn't want me in the company. They did not want me to get into wrestling. They they had that old school mentality. Um, and they, they, they bit me in, in the worst ways. They beat me up in the ring in the worst ways. And I, I just like, whatever, bring it. 
You know, I would come home, black eyes, split forehead, 16 stitches, uh, messed up shoulder, messed up back, uh, candlesticks, uh, marks all over my back. Um, and, and that's when I started, you know, once I started like, uh, reading, uh, the wrestling books, you know, the autobiographies that came out and I saw some of the guys that, some of the stuff that the guys went through and I started like looking online and this and that, yada, yada, yada. I heard the stories about, uh, breaking kayfabe and all these guys coming in and breaking in and, and, and the old school guys beating them up, trying to like either scare them so they wouldn't get in the business or try them out and, and test them and see they were tough enough to handle it. Um, I'm like, I was taking it like, okay, are they trying to test me? Are they trying to like make me quit? Uh, up to a certain point where I know they're trying to make me quit. And, but I did not care. I was, I was fully determined. As soon as I, I started wrestling, I know that I was, that I wanted to go to the mm-hmm. Plain and simple. I mean, there's no, there's no denying that if you get in this business, it's because eventually you want to make a living and a good one at that. So whoever says, oh yeah, I got into wrestling because I love the territories and I love, you know, working in front of 50, 60 people. That's the biggest lamest, biggest bullshit you will ever hear from anyone. Yeah. You don't get this business because you want to work in front of a hundred and, 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 and in front of 50 people. You wanna, you wanna go to, to the, uh, to the football stadiums with WNB. You wanna main event WrestleMania. You wanna be the person in charge of putting 90,000 people in a stadium. You know, that's the only reason that anyone gets involved in this business because why else would you get beat up and go through the shit that we have to go through if not for that? Well, you just mentioned WWE, um, and I know that. You know, I I did research and looked into you wrestling before you got to WWE, but it looks like, at least on this end, that your transition from Puerto Rico to WWE really wasn't that uh, long of a transition. You came up pretty quickly. Yeah, because I've always had this thing, and that's one of the things that you cannot, it cannot be taught. You, You can't learn that from someone teaching you, you know, when they say, oh yeah, if you, if, if you stand in front of a crowd, just picture them in their underwear and you feel comfortable in that. I mean, to me, that, that's total bullshit. I don't, I don't think that works at all. Trying to make people calm. I mean, I've always been calm in front of like large crowds and no one can ever say that I did not see a large crowd before I got to the Lille. Uh, I have a story about that. I'll tell you later on. Um, working here in Puerto Rico, when IWA was at its peak, the average house was like 3,500, 5,000 people. That was on a regular basis on a weekly show. I got to a show where we filled out this baseball stadium. It was like 13,000 people. So to me, being in front of like large crowds has always been like something very that I'm very comfortable with and like talking and speaking in front of a crowd, very, very, very comfortable with it too. Um, I was not 
taught how to cut a proper uh, wrestling promo here in Puerto Rico. I did what I saw on TV, um, watching WNV and watching the uh, classic old school uh, Puerto Rico style of promo. I would try to combine the two a little bit, try to make up, you know, my own style. And the reason is, here's the difference between um, territories and 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 WWE territories build wrestlers. WWE builds superstars. You wanna you wanna use the wrestling platform to become a superstar because a superstar is is who you want to put in a movie or in a TV series. And that's eventually not everyone's goal, but I, I, I guarantee you that everyone after WWE, they want to have a movie career like The Rock. I guarantee you that. If you ask the entire WWE locker room, what do you want to do after wrestling? Well, you know, 90% of them, they will say, yeah, I would like to become an actor. It's the next logical step. You don't want to get beat up until you're like 60 or 70. You want to get out of that, you know, and be a celebrity. You know, an A-lister like The Rock himself. Come on, really? If not, you want to run for office. And still, you're still in the public eye. You're still somewhat of a, of a superstar. That's when WWE... That's where they excel because they make superstars. They don't make wrestlers. They make superstars. You know, it's sports entertainment. It's not pro wrestling for them. It's sports entertainment. You know, I see um, guys doing movies. I see, I heard that Dolph Ziggler was doing like stand-up. Um, Mick Foley's doing stand-up and the other guy's doing this and the other guy's doing that because that's the next logical step. Well, you know, so that's why my transition was like a little bit easier for for a lot of guys because than compared to a lot of guys because I've always seen it as as the spectacle that it is. I never saw it as pro wrestling. Well, you uh, you actually were in Deep South uh, wrestling as well, um, which was yeah. kind of a a precursor to FCW and NXT. Um, what were your thoughts on Deep South? And, you know, obviously they talk a lot about the Performance Center these days and what a great facility it was. Were you getting any of that in, in Deep South or was it kind of just uh, what it was, just like a gritty kind of place? Um, Deep South was... The, the early stage, not the early, early stages, because the early stages of developmental system were uh, when Edge and Christian and those guys were in the developmental system, they got paid like, you know, X amount of money and, and they trained in, in Stanford, Connecticut and uh, WWE's where, where they filmed uh, Tough Enough, the tracks, what it was called, I think it was. Yeah, yep. Um, um, but it was like... Uh, it was just a place to go train and, and do like the weekly show and hopefully they will get like you know more house shows and all that so so you can uh, um, 
harness your skill and develop your skills uh, a lot better so you can, you know, get ready for the main stage, which was LDLD. Um The place was, I think it was great. I, I had never been trained, like, properly. Like I said, you know, the guys that started training me kind of disappeared and I learned on the job, so to speak. Five years into wrestling, that's when I got hired back in 05, and I couldn't do some some basic moves. And Bill DeMott questioned me, and said, so you've been working for how long and you don't know how to do this? And, and then that's when I told him my whole story. So listen, you know, I started training and the guys that started training me disappeared because they got in trouble with, you know, some legal troubles and they disappeared. And uh, he said, oh, okay. So that's when I started, like, he started teaching me, you know, from, from basically from the basics so I could learn uh, the proper way. Um, I think it was just, if you compare it to what the performance center is, it has been like an evolving type of thing because they shut down, uh, deep South. They moved some guys to FCW. They moved some guys to OBW. And then not long after that, they shut down OBW and they shipped everyone to FCW. I guess they, they wanted to have not a bunch of territories, but it was like one big developmental facility which is what NXT is right now. Um, but I think uh, it was like a huge stepping stone from what FC, what Deep South was and OVW was to what FCW became. And then it was like another huge step from FCW to NXT. So it has been like an evolving process. Well, during that time, you got to work with like a... a you know, basically a who's who of, uh, of wrestlers. Um, did you have any specific people that you really enjoyed working with back in your either deep South or FCW days? Well, the first guy that, I, I mean, I didn't work with him, but he was, he was the booker in Puerto Rico was Dutch Mantel and, uh, Luke Williams from the Bushwhackers. And they would tell me stories, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, but they had this old-school mentality. They were not there to teach me. They were there to write, you know, to book the shows. So they had that old-school mentality. And, and Dutch Mantel did give me a good piece of advice. And he's like, you see that chair right there? You grab that chair right there, and you sit down, and you watch every match from the show. And that's how you start to learn. And, and to be honest, it kind of clicked. Little by little, but it kind of clicked. Um, then I went to work for Carlos, and I mean, I didn't really get to work with a whole lot of people. That I just, you know, they they threw me around with the uh, with the locals for the most part. I did get to work Abdullah the Butcher once, and that was a thrill because a friend of mine, my best friend, was like a huge fan, and I called him up that day. He said, "Listen, I'm working Abby." He's like, "Are you really?" I'm like, "Yeah." All this that's fucking awesome. That's fucking great. What are you going to do with him? And I don't know. Whatever he wants, whatever he says that we can do. I don't know. So it was like a big thrill for me. But that was like the only guy that I worked with. Then when I went to Deep South, it was pretty much with the same guys that that I trained with. Uh, but I did see the early stages of like Kofi Kingston and, and The Miz was there. Uh, Mike Knox was there. Uh, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who's part of the uh, the Ascension, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was there too. 
those are the one the guys that I do remember. Greg Kali got his uh, start there in Deep South as well. Uh, what's his name now? Uh, oh my God! Uh, he went, He's in the Bullet Club and he's in the tag team. Drew Hankinson. Uh, yes, is, uh, Gallows. Lou Gallows. Gallows. Yeah, um, he was there as well. Um, and then in FCW, who did I get to work in FCW? Oh my God, Dolph Ziggler, Wade Barrett, um, Drew McIntyre. Uh, I got to work with Sheamus a lot. Uh, basically, you know, most of the, uh, some of the top guys in WWE right now, I saw Big E when he started at FCW. Um, let's see. When I started doing the uh, trips with ECW and SmackDown, I did get the pleasure of working one entire weekend with Brad Armstrong, God rest his soul. Oh my God, he was he was a true gentleman, in and out the ring, the nicest guy, the nicest guy, and oh my God, he could work. He was phenomenal in the ring, so smooth. I mean, it was it was like a great great weekend for me that weekend. So yeah, that I will have to say that that was one of my top top guys. I mean, I got to work with Jericho and Big Show and and Kane and and all those guys in the main roster. But but the one guy that I do remember that I got. I mean, you get to learn more when you do house shows than you do TV. Because TV, you gotta you know you do TV. You know, you gotta go out there and you gotta put on the show for the TV. But when you do house shows, you get to sit down and relax a little bit more and, and talk to these guys and go over your match and do what you gotta do and you get to pick their brain a little bit. You know, and, and I do remember that weekend with Brian Armstrong was phenomenal. And he, he actually trained us a little bit too in uh Deep South. Yeah, yeah. He was uh he was there helping out when, when Bill DeMott got released the first time around. Uh, Doc, uh, Tom Pritchard came in and um, Brad came in from time to time to help out. So, yeah, Brad Armstrong, will, I would have to say Brad Armstrong was like the guy. When you were in um, Florida Championship, you know, obviously you mentioned people like Sheamus and a few other people that, um, you know, now are kind of their own their own character, but... Um, was there a lot of that going on down there? A lot of character development? Um, I'm curious because I want to know kind of how uh, how or what they had kind of in store for you. Like, what was being thrown around for you at that time? Well, there were, since the beginning with me, they, they always liked me as a heel. Um, they, I had, uh, I did a tag team with NDP. They tried that out. Um, then Sonny Siaki pulled me aside and said, listen, um, I just got to, he told me that allegedly Dusty Rhodes, God bless him, um, called him up and they had worked together in TNA. Um, he said, Dusty wants me to tag with you. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you know, we tried this in TNA with me and Apollo. We tagged for a bit. He likes that combination. He's got, you know, he, he's got some stuff for us. Allegedly, that's what he tells me. So we started, you know, tagging, and, and we had a good run. 
it could have been better, but you know, um, then we got transferred to FCW. I go to FCW and I'm kind of like floating around. Um, I injured my back and I had to go get surgery, but I did not know at the time that I needed the surgery. Um, I think it was, I can't remember which, which year it was, but I injured my back. I had to get surgery. Um, between the time that I left to have the surgery and came back, um, they, they still had like nothing for me. Just, you know, go out there and do your thing and yada, yada, yada. And then Primo came in. When Primo came in, that's when things are, okay, we'll put, you know, Eric and Primo together. Let's see, let's see how that happens. And we were Eric Perez and Eddie Cologne. We were not, we were called the Puerto Rican Nightmares. Um, they put Angela Fong uh, or Miss Angela, I don't know what name she's going by right now. I know she's in uh, Lucha Underground right now. <clears throat> they put her with us and it was like a, like a strange, weird combination, but it worked. We made it work. First, we were supposed to be heels, and we tried. Oh my God, did we try? We would said, "We would sit down with Doctor Tom. Hey, Doc, how can we make these uh, the fans hate us?" And we tried everything, uh, every cheating tactic, every old school cheating tactic, every everything that we could try to do to get heat. But people were not buying it. They were cheering for us. So they eventually just gave up. Him and Doc just went and said, whatever, just let him be babyfaces. So we were like the only babyface tag team in FCW, in FCW at the time. And that's when uh, Drew McIntyre and Wade Barrett came in. Uh, they had Dolph Ziggler with uh, Brad, uh, Brad Green, I think was his name. Brad Attitude. Uh, uh-huh. And they had a tag team of, what else? There was another tag team there, too. Oh, it was uh, Tyson Kidd and uh, D.A. Smith. Mm-hmm. So they did the uh, tag team. Tr- oh, and uh, Heath Slater and Steve Lewington were another tag team. So they did the tag team tournament, and they put us there to win the tag, uh, the tag titles for the the first, you know, first tag team, FCW tag team champions. So we win the titles, and then they started trying to develop some other tag teams, babyface tag teams to you know, to mix it up a little bit. But not everything they tried did not click. Since Primo and I worked as a tag team in Puerto Rico and we knew each other and we had the uh, the Spanish to our advance, uh, to an advance we, would, we would speak Spanish to each other and everything just flew. I mean, everything was, the flow of things were was amazing. So they just decided to like, okay, we're going to take the title from Eric and, and, and Eddie and we'll give it to these guys. And then it'll come back to Eric and Eddie because they got to pass it to the other two guys. And we were, I think we were like three or four time uh, FCW Tag Champions. So at the time, we had a good good chemistry in the ring. And, and they saw that. When Primo gets called up, allegedly the idea that they had for me, this is what they told me, was that Primo and Carlito were going to get in trouble with Legacy and since Legacy were three or four of them, I was going to come in to be the equalizer. Okay. But then obviously, you know, the fourth guy would be Randy, who come in and, 
you know, we get the run from them and, and eventually we'll go separate ways and yada, yada, yada. So they bring Primo in and then they go, no, and they split him with Carlito and they send him to SmackDown. So the angle was K-Bosh. Um, so I'm stuck in FCW, no direction, so to speak. There were some naysayers that they thought I was not going to be able to do it. But Dusty said, let's give him the ball. Let's do something with him. I mean, he's got that Pedro Morales type of fire in the ring. And he doesn't look like a bodybuilder, but he doesn't look like like a big, fat piece of crap either. Yeah, You know, he looks good, but he still looks different. And that's when they decided to go with me and, and you know, give me the, the push that they gave me the FCW title. And to be honest, that's, that was like the highlight of my career. That was like, you know, to have a guy like Dusty Rhodes and Dr. Tom and Steve Kern go like, this is going to be my guy, even though this is like, you know, like the little leagues of, uh, the minor leagues of uh, the, the big leagues, but still, this is going to be my guy. And, and we did good. I mean, I think we did, they did some decent business with me and, and they gave me the ball. They gave me that trust. And that was like the best I've ever felt. And that was a direction they wanted me to go to be this fiery, you know, Pedro Morales, uh, type of Puerto Rican wrestler, you know, doing the Spanglish thing, going back and forth between Spanish and Spanish and English. And, and that's, you know, everything just was, great I thought at that time everything was perfect but you know still no no anything from the main roster in the WWE so that's when you know Dusty just kind of like snapped at them and said listen I had this guy for over X amount of time and he's been ready forever what are you guys going to do with him and you know the rest is history well with um you know, you you just mentioned that you were Eric Perez, um, and then at some point your uh, your name changed to Escobar, Eric Escobar. Um, was there any personal significance to that name? Um, we've we've heard how WWE has tried to name people over the years. Was that a decision on your part, or was that a decision by WWE? <clears throat> No, it was a WWE decision. Uh, I mean, they they told us like I don't know, like four or five times. They told us to like write a list of like ten to fifteen names that we would like to use. I wrote. I mean, let's be straight here. Um, I'm not gonna beat around the bush about it. I, I enjoy a good stereotype if it's done in in you know in a funny way, like. Mm-hmm. You know, like a comedian like Kevin Hart or, or Cat Williams would use a stereotype because it's funny. It's it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't get offended by that. Um, so WWE is no different. They like stereotypes. It's exactly what um, what the New Day is doing. Mm-hmm. A stereotypical, you know, Stereotypical African Americans, you know, they, they come out, they're loud, and yada yada yada. It's funny, it's entertainment. I get it. Um, I guess they went with the Escobar name because it's like one of the most famous Latino names in history because of Pablo Escobar. Okay. You know, I guess that's why I did write it on the uh, on the list of names. I wrote Eric Montana of like you know like Tony mm-hmm. Scarface Montana. 
I wrote um, Alejandro Perez, which is my dad's name. I wrote um, Eric Alejandro, which is my real name, but my middle name is Alexander, so it's Alejandro in Spanish. Uh, I wrote Eric Escobar, Pablo Perez, you know, every Paco Ramon, you know, every single name you could think of, I wrote there. So eventually, I guess they saw Eric Escobar, and they went with it. And, and it was out of, out of the blue. I went uh, on a loop of shows, and when I got to TV, oh, you have a dark match tonight. And when they announced me, oh, Eric Escobar, I'm like, oh, I guess I got a new name. <laughs> and and that was it. By the time I got to FCW, so Dusty comes up to me, he with the list, so uh, they tell me they changed your name, so you were Eric Escobar now. That that's cool. That's pretty really cool, man. That's pretty really cool. I like it. <laughs> now it seems to me like, uh, and and we've only got a couple more questions for you because I know you're very yeah. busy. But uh, you you know you spoke about how kind of you weren't really told much, and you just mentioned that you came out to the ring and didn't even know your name was changed. You got kind of put with Vicky Guerrero, which uh, was, I thought, really cool, and it finally, to me, started to seem like there was some, some traction with you and the wheels were in motion. Um, you started working with her in 2009. Um, was that something that was planned, or once again, was that something that was just kind of, hey, by the way, this is happening? Again, hey, this is happening. Um, they, uh, I remember I got to that TV. I had spoken to John Cena for, for the entire weekend. Like, you know, he was giving me tips and all that. Regardless of what you think of the guy, I never had any problems with the guy. He was very, very nice to me. He was class act with me. He actually told me, he said, listen, if you ever want any advice, you know, just pull me aside and ask me to watch your match. He would always watch his ma- everyone's matches, and, and he was always like very. Um, he wants to be that guy who gives back and, and helps, you know, develop the future of, of the company. He's always he's always looking for like new opponents, obviously. But you know, anyways, um, I do remember that. Uh, Jamie Noble started talking to me. He's like, so to, he's like, so you, so you got your stuff, right? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, they haven't told you. I'm like, no. Okay. Just give me five minutes. I'll be right back. And he leaves and he doesn't say anything. Five minutes later, um, Ricky Steamboat, same deal. So they told you what you're doing tonight. I'm like, no, <laughs> well, what's going on? He's like, Oh, they didn't say anything? I'm like, no. Okay, I'll be right back. And, and I'm thinking of, I'm getting ribbed. I'm like, okay. I'm getting ribbed. Like, I'm going to end up with Big Dick Johnson in the ring, and I'm going <laughs> to be wearing a thong. And, oh, my God. And then, like, uh, uh, what should we call it? Uh, May Young is going to come out, and I have to make out with May Young, or something like that is going to happen. I don't know. Which I was totally down with. I mean, at that point, I didn't really care. John Cena comes up to me. He's like, hey, you got your deal for tonight? I'm like, what's going on? I have no fucking clue what's going on. Oh, they didn't say anything. I'm like, no, well, don't fuck it up. I'm like, what do you want me to not fuck up? I mean, I don't know shit what's going on. And no one told me until they finally pulled me aside. It's like, you're going to be Vicky Guerrero's boyfriend. I'm like, okay, that's fucking cool. Well, why didn't anyone say anything? 
Well, you know, they were they were still going over some details, and and then I see Vicky finally. I had already said hello to her and all that. Now I I know what's going on, so I see Vicky. So I told her, I'm like, oh, so you know what's going on tonight? She's like, yeah. They told me that I'm going to be some guy's girlfriend. I'm like, uh, that that's me. Nice to meet you, I'm Eric. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. It was uh, it was an a SmackDown anniversary show, and I think The Rock was filming the other guys. And uh, he did a, he cut a promo they put on the on the Titan Tron and, and all that. It was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool show. Well. With that, you know, you you started out with Vicky, and you know we we've kind of talked about if creative had ideas for you or whatever. But what one thing that kind of got to me is that there was really never any uh, backstory, I guess, or explanation of your your character. Then with Vicky, um, was there anything being tossed around, or was this just kind of once again the same thing where they didn't really. They put you guys together, but they didn't really have an idea of what to do with you. Exactly, so it, was, it was exactly that they they put us together, uh, and that was it. They had like no backstory and all that. And Vicky and I would talk about it. I'm like, how did we meet? I mean, how did everything happen? And she's like, I have no idea, and and no one ever. I mean, we pitched ideas between Vicky and I, and we, we talked to someone. I can't remember who it was, but we did talk to someone. It's like, maybe we could, you know, film some vignettes of, uh, of uh, you know, we had like some vacation or something. Vicky went on vacation. I was a little cabana boy or something like that, and we kind of felt for each other. And, you know, that's how the, the whole thing started. And maybe we can throw some twists here. Where you know some like con artists are trying to like con her into trying to get a job with Dolia Green or something like that, or maybe she's conning me into bringing me in uh, as an excuse so, so she can come back to SmackDown. I mean, there are so many things that we we could have done with the character and the storyline and everything, but again, they had like let's put them together and and let's see what happens. It was kind of those deals. Okay. And that was it. I mean, they had like, I don't think they had any long-term plans of, uh, with me and Vicky. Well, um, like I said, I want to, I want to let you get, get going here. I got just two more questions for you. Um, you've been very upfront and honest with us today. It is, uh, it's amazing. I loved learning more about you and, uh, I wish you nothing but the best, uh, point blank. If I asked you right now, um, you know, you departed from WWE in 2010. Is a WWE return out of the question for you? Like, if they if they contacted you tonight, tomorrow, and asked you to come back, would you go back? To be honest, um, I would, but it would have to be like, I mean, we would have to like really, really sit down and talk about it. Um, you know, we don't get any younger especially in wrestling, we age like dogs, so to speak. Um, under the WWE umbrella, you were, you're well taken care of. You know, they got doctors and trainers and all that. And, and I did have a tryout last year. Um, I will tell you completely, complete honesty, my heart and, and my mind were not into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I did talk to the bot 
and he's like, you know, would you like to come in for a try? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go. Um, could it be like, you know, a few months from now? I, I, my wife gave birth in uh, 2012 to triplet baby boys. Oh, congratulations! So, thank you very much. So I have uh, three, three beautiful baby boys and three and a half years old. So they are at the center of my universe right now. So my life revolves around them. I go to my job, I go to work, and I cannot wait to come home and play with my kids. I mean, they're school by the time I get off work and all that, but I want to come, you know, go pick them up at school and and uh, and play with them and be with them all day. So if by any chance, if the stars and the planets align themselves and Triple H and, and now that Shane McMahon is back, uh... That I, that I saw that, um, you know, if anyone decides, hey, we got Primo and, and Epico together, let's see if we can contact uh, Carlito and Escobar. We'll make like a Latino clique, like uh, Los Boricuas 2016, so to speak. Yeah, I'll be open to the to the uh, prospect of a uh, return. But like I said, we'll have to like, we'll have to like really sit down because I don't really want to be traveling so much uh, and be away from my kids for so long. You know, um, if it was something that, yeah, you can do the TVs and, and you know, you do like a loop of house shows every month. Uh, and then, you know, you can do the international tours, you know, like the, the Latino part of it. Well, every time we go to uh, Central America and South America, you can go to those, you know, and just keep it like in the right schedule, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. But to go full on every day of the week, you know, almost like three to four days a week, just being out of my house and, and not seeing my kids and all that, it'll be kind of hard for me though to to be able to do that. Okay. All right. Well. um, we uh, like I said, we thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I think that we've got a lot left to talk to you about, and hopefully we can get you back someday. But um, for people that are listening to this right now and want to know more about you or want to be able to follow you on, do you do you have social media or anything that people can find you on? Yeah, um, I just recently opened a uh, Facebook page for Eric Escobar. Uh, just looking under Eric Escobar, you see a picture of me back in my WWE days. Also, you know, any promoters out there who, who want to, like, you know, do business and all that, they can contact me at um, Eric Escobar 12, no, hold on. Eric Escobar 8712. Yeah, 8712 at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter uh, at eperez8712. Uh, yeah, those are the ones that I use the most. Also, I would like to say uh, shout out to my boy. Um, I forgot his name now. Titus. Uh, he was uh, Funkasaurus in WWE. Yeah, Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay. Yeah, Titus, my boy. He's my friend. We stay in touch from time to time. We we have a weird type of uh, relationship and a weird type of uh, uh, sense of humor, but we get each other. Uh, he's my boy, he's my friend, uh, he's one of the very few true friends that I do have. Tyler Rex is another one of them. Um, Heath Slater, he's kind of lost, but, you know, I still, I still, uh, 
I still consider him a friend, man. The Tyson kid who has always, uh, you know, been class act with me and stayed in touch with me from time to time. And, you know, anybody who I haven't mentioned, uh, Rory from the Highlanders, and so, you know, we, we stay in touch all the time. We talk all the time. Uh, Wade Barrett, Drew McIntyre, all them guys, you know, all the guys in WLE that remember me. You know, shout out to you guys. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. You, your families are doing well. Your careers are doing well. Um, uh, Dr. Tom, Steve Kern, uh, Norman Smiley. I love Norman Smiley. He, he's, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. And uh, Bill Vermont also. And, you know, anyone that I forgot my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we uh, we're like I said. I think that we've got plenty of uh, material to have you on again. Um, I'm hoping for nothing but the best for you. You seem like one of the the nicest uh, people that we've we've spoken to, and um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, that's the show. We want to thank you all for listening today. Every week we do this show free of charge for you, the fans. And if you're wondering how to repay us, we have just the thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Hey, and while you're there, be sure to rate us and give us a good review. If you're looking for more information about AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We are all over social media, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you are an AWP super fan, you can also show your support by going Going over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast and buying one of our official AWP shirts. We couldn't do this show without you, so tune in next week for <sighs> Another Wrestling Podcast.